Hello, welcome back to Resurrections and Adam Warlock and Thanos Podcast. I'm your host, Al Sedano. And this episode, we are going on with part two of our coverage of Thanos the Infinity Relativity. Ooh, I said it right this time. Yes. Which means I have with me again, Brian. Hi there. Brian, what's up? No, nothing. Forgetting this is a purely audio medium, I'm sitting here throwing up metal horns like people can see me, and that's some kind of greeting. So uh, that's the sort of high-level intellectual content that you can expect from me today. That's Gal's waving. So. <laughs> so good, good. At least we're on the same page. Ah, and we are on the same page. Yes, we are. Um, so here let's all, figure that out. <laughs> I'm here all week. Tip your waiter, try the veal. So yes, we are continuing on with this... Uh, Infinity Relativity graphic novel. Mm-hmm. OGN, <laughs> as it were. It's this nice hardcover. At least I have the hardcover. How are no, you reading it? I'm all digital. All okay. digital, baby, because I am because I am married to a woman who does not want to see piles of comics sitting around the house, which would be a thing if I did not have her. Uh, so bless her heart, I've gone all digital. That makes two of us, although I agree <laughs> to only buy physical books that are for the podcast. Ah, uh, okay. That is that is a that is a uh, a fair compromise. So I'm only buying Warlock Thanos stuff. Everything else, it's digital, but otherwise... Actually, with me, with me, the compromise is we only buy physical books of a manga, because then she can read them, too. Well, at least that, <laughs> well, that makes sense, though, at least. Yes, because that's where our interests intersect. I've actually delved into that. I've read the first three volumes of Death Note. Ah, that's a, that's, that's a good one. That's a, that's a the, very... The black, the black volume, it's called. So, and I think it has like three volumes in it. That that, that is a very uh, that's a very intellectually uh, uh, gripping and stimulating one. I remember liking it a lot on that. These days, I'm 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 much more um, into what I'm much more what you would call uh, into the feels. So I'm reading yeah. a lot of uh, romance stuff and cool. uh, a lot of uh, the 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 Japanese word for it is iyashike which means uh soothing or healing you know kind of slice of life stuff so i've gotten away from like the hardcore like mysteries and action and i'm reading what what you could uh, charitably uh describe as much more uh uh girly anime these <laughs> days with no shame with no shame whatsoever ha it's like watching that show this is us okay which i have not I've, watched but i've heard well, me either <laughs> <laughs> Me either, but I've heard. But I mean, not that I watch it. But again, nothing wrong with it. No, exactly. Exactly. My point is, yeah, exactly. So I've, I've, I've stepped away from my, I've stepped away from my stereotypical demographic, and I'm much happier that way. So there you go. Let your freak yeah. flag fly high, people. That's yeah, that's and, the moral of the story. Yep. And what I'm currently reading now, I have because uh, going the opposite from you, like you said, the very intellectual one. Mm -hmm. uh, I have it's a again, it's a big one that has like all the first three volumes combined. The original Dragon Ball. Ah, completely opposite from the very intellectual. More. Yeah, no, I've heard that's that's hilarious, but kind of lowbrow, uh, yeah. <laughs> is what I've heard about that. We are we are the one just by way of by way of uh, episode opening recommendations. We are enjoying greatly, um, like head exploding, enjoying um, one that is uh, relatively new. It's only got two volumes out so far. Goes the American title is Laid Back Camp. And it is uh, kind of what they would say, uh, exactly what it says on the tin. Uh, it's literally about a bunch of uh, high school girls who camp. Okay. And that's pretty much what it is, but it's funny, and it's sweet, and it is frequently hilarious because they're not what you'd call well-adjusted high school girls. They're kind of crazy. So it's wonderful and funny, but very uh, literally laid back. And it's just about people camping. So if you need to see action, you're not going to get it there. But if you're just looking for some uh, sweet feels, then uh, it is all up in there. 
Was it more feels or comedy? Um, or, I would or say 50-50? more. I'd say fifty-fifty because it's it's much more comedy. I mean, it's more comedy on the surface, but if it can be said to have any kind of thematic through line, it's sort of the developing of the friendships as these girls get closer to each other and change each other's lives in subtle ways. And when you pick up on that and you see it happening on the page, it is a frequent fest of awe. So, so it's like a, it's like a, now I'm not going to mean it's derogatory. I'm meaning like one of the better ones. It's mm-hmm. a sitcom, but a good sitcom where it has the family stuff too. You know, the, the, you know, even if it's not like, you know, last week on this show, it still kind of has a follow up story as opposed to, well, what goofy thing can we have them do this time? I know Jack's going to date triplets. Right. Yeah. No, no, this is a more modern, it is a sitcom, but it's a more modern thing where there is a through line. I mean, basically, because, because you meet the main character, she likes to camp by herself. And then as the, um, as she meets these other girls and she makes friends with them, she finds her, her desire to camp on her own challenged and eventually you know before too long she breaks down and starts agreeing to camp with them and her thawing and things that's that's sort of the emotional through line of it you see so it's not what you call it's not what you call a high level in your face sort of conflict but there's enough there's enough plot there through plot there to keep to keep, uh, that that's kept uh, the empress and i uh reading through two volumes quite happily and anxiously awaiting uh, further volumes. It's being published, I believe, Ooh. by Yen Press in the U.S. Might be entertaining so, to check out. Yeah, Maybe. no, we, we we quite like it. I mean, obviously, it's also in our wheelhouse because we like to camp in real life. We're big uh, campers in real life. So the fact that we've actually learned a lot of very cool sort of tricks and hints about ah. how to camp more enjoyably, even in colder weather from this, from this uh, manga that we're reading, we're like, oh, we're going to try doing that from now on. So... Yeah. Well, good. Yeah. Hey, it never hurts to try out something that's different than what you were expecting. One of my favorite series, it is a manga series, actually, one of my favorite series ever. It's an older one. Uh, you know what I think. Maisoni Koku, I think it's called. Oh, Maisoni Koku. Maisoni Koku. Yes. I've heard it Yes, indeed. Um, I love that series. That is a, that is a, that is a great one. Uh, the yeah, great I, Rumiko Takahashi of uh, Ranma One Half and Inuyasha fame. Yeah, uh, I have, uh, well, it's at my parents' house, but I have like all 14, 16, whatever volumes of that. Yeah, no, that's a, that is a classic, and that's exactly what I'm talking about. You know that that is a completely real world sitcommy sort of thing. Um, very, very, uh, and boy, are we going far afield. It's very different from the Thanos, the Infinity Relativity, isn't it, Al Sedano? <laughs> Actually, what I was about to say is, so the point of this introduction is try something different, try something out of your wheelhouse because yes. you never know if you might like it. And in the spirit of trying something out of our wheelhouse. Let's talk about Jim Starlin writing and drawing Adam Warlock and Thanos. There you go. go that's we, completely out of the wheelhouse of this show, right? Yeah, we're just going to wrench that thing back onto the rails like nobody's business. I do have, I know that we stopped on, I don't have page numbers because I'm digital and I'm cool well, There's like no that. page numbers listed anyway in the book. So, But we ended on a page with a, uh, a sort of a wide shot. It's actually an interesting page. Uh, I don't know if we commented on this last time, but it's one of those interesting pages that you actually have to stare at to realize it is in fact the two-page spread because the right side of it is is all panels like on is like a set of panels but if you look close you realize that the that they're overlaid on a continuation of the wide shot from the left page Um, so i didn't realize it at first but this is in fact a two-page spread and the reason i wanted to bring it up because i know we sort of ended on it last time uh was in the crowd on the left side in the crowd although we are focused on uh um uh Quill and Drax and Groot 
and you see Pip and uh, you see Tha- uh, Quasar uh, around there as well. But in addition to that, you also see Omega from uh, Hickman's New Avengers run. He's the yellow guy with the Omega symbol on his chest. Um, and, and and the sort of horn-looking things, come, fin-looking things coming out the side of his head. And I just thought that was a nice little touch. For, I'm, I'm, like, I'm, I'm curious as to what um, it's innate of. I mean, obviously it doesn't have too much of an impact on the story, but Starlin at, clearly consciously chose to include him. And since Starlin, as a general rule, and this is something you and I have hit upon as a sort of running theme over the course of our episodes of this podcast, is the fact that the joy of one of the joys of Starlin's work in Marvel is the fact that he is sort of creating a little pocket Starlin verse that doesn't necessarily interact overly much with the rest of the Marvel Universe or with any other big sort of uh, events or running plot lines that are happening in the rest of the Marvel Universe. So for, and Omega was a character that was pretty much contained to and contained within uh, Hickman's Avengers run. He didn't have much of a presence or a point outside of that very specific subset of comics. So yeah. my question is, is that given his, I wouldn't say dislike of, but certainly his lack of incentive to play nice with the rest of the Marvel Universe, I'm just curious as to what prompted Starlin to make the conscious choice to include Omega on this page. Well, I can think of two possibilities. Okay. One, he actually did read that book and enjoyed it mm-hmm. and wanted to put him in there. Or two, Starlin, I mean, we have we seen doing this, you know, from the other one in here, he likes throwing in these little characters randomly in the background. Not that they're doing anything or involved, just having them there in the background. Correct, correct. He might have just said, hey, who's a cosmic character that could be running out in space that's not, you know, that I could just throw in as a background person somewhere in a crowd, you know, and went, oh, well, this looks kind of cool. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I'll draw this. Mm-hmm. I hear you. And the fact of the matter is, is I'm trying to remember who the, it, I think it was one of one of the many Italians that were working at Marvel at that time, like uh, Gabriel Dotto or uh, uh, Valerio Schiti or one of them. But I'm trying to remember who the artist was that uh, initially drew Omega, whoever, in, whoever designed Omega, whoever did the character design. Um, it's a striking character design, so I'm I'm thinking it's entirely plausible that Starlin just said that looks like a crazy fun character to draw. Let me have a crack at it. Yeah, <laughs> that's also possible. Like I said, that's possible. That you know, it could go either way. Yeah, yeah. But what we're gonna do now is then we're gonna pause for a second. We are mm-hmm. gonna throw in what I'm gonna do for everybody in case they forgot. I'm going to throw in the synopsis I put in last time, so okay. we know what we read up to here. Okay. And then I'm gonna throw a synopsis for whatever for what we're talking about today. Mm-hmm. And that way they can follow along with us. And then we'll probably throw a promo in there too, real quick. Stay with us. And we'll be right back. After these messages, we'll be right back. Thanos the Infinity Relativity Hardcover. Written in pencil by Jim Starlin. Inks by Andy Smith. Colored by Frank D'Armada with Rachel Rosenberg. Letter by Travis Lanaham. Cover art by Jim Starlin and Rachel Rosenberg. Logo and book designer Jerry K. Fletcher. Assistant editors Jonathan Mosain and Jake Thomas. Editors Tom Brevoort with Will Moss. This hardcover has been reprinted a few times. 
once in Italian, which you can find as Thanos La Relativa dell'Infinito. It was printed in December 2015 as a hardcover. It was also printed in June 2016 as a softcover in Germany. Thanos Die Infinity Aligns. And of course, you can always find it on digitally on Comixology and Marvel Digital Comics Unlimited. This hardcover starts in the negative zone. Annihilus, the lord of the negative zone, is conferring with his top two lieutenants, Dr. Boltar and Blastar. His entire fleet is now equipped with Dr. Boltar's gateway targeting system, meaning they can strike anywhere in the positive matter universe in minutes. They are planning an attack as soon as they can locate a mysterious powerful item that Dr. Boltar is tracking. In the positive matter universe, four of the Guardians of the Galaxy, Star-Lord, Rocket Raccoon, Drax, and Groot, are trying to find their fifth member, Gamora. The shuttle she was traveling in crashed on an asteroid, and they are going to rescue her, as soon as they can find her. They find traces of another ship having been there, and are going to track it. But before they leave, Rocket finds a mysterious red gem. As the Guardians prepare to leave, we move to... Earth. Specifically, 541 kilometers above its surface. We find a robot running around some satellites in an orbit above the planet. The robot also finds Adam Warlock, wearing the new outfit that he got in the Infinity Revelation. Adam knows that this robot is an advanced scout for the Protectorate, which is planning on stripping the Earth of all its mineral wealth. Though he's not sure how he knows that. Adam can't have the Protectorate do this and strongly advises them to find another planet. On board Annihilus' fleet, Dr. Boltar and Blastar are monitoring the activities of all individuals and organizations that Annihilus considers a threat. Except for the one being he considers the most dangerous, Thanos of Titan, who is currently in the realm of his beloved, Mistress Death, using her monitoring system. He is currently concerned with Adam Warlock, who was changed in the Infinity Revelation. Adam is far stronger than he was ever before, and the data Thanos is getting from him is... troubling. However, Thanos then receives a visitor. Himself. At least, the version of himself from years ago when he had the Infinity Gauntlet. The Gauntlet version tells him that he needs to find Gamora and Pip the Troll, and let them know that Adam has returned. While Thanos prepares for his journey, Adam is speaking to... someone. After recapping his life story, we see he is talking to Gamora. Maybe. And where they are speaking is a mystery. Don't worry though, we kind of worked this out during the episode. While this is happening, the Silver Surfer finds Adam's body unconscious in the only surviving ship of a vast, now destroyed armada. This is, was, the Protectorate. The armada was controlled by an advanced AI. It was once filled with millions of members. The citizens of Polterac 7, a worldwide pandemic, had hit the planet and the AI was able to rescue a lot of the population and take them to space. Traveling the stars of the people in cryogenic storage, protecting them until they can be cured. But at this point, there were only two people remaining, but the AI is still treating it as if it has to deal with taking care of millions. Adam was able to stop the misguided AI by destroying all but one of the ships, which is the one that actually had the two people on it. Now, as the surfer watches, Adam Warlock vanishes. And he wakes up in a luxurious bed. Getting up, he speaks to a scroll, Zelor. He apparently works for Zelor as a gladiator on the gladiator asteroid New Kral. Not knowing about Adam's return, Pip the Troll is in Starlin's bar, cheating at cards. He's about to get his ass kicked for the cheating when he is rescued by Thanos. Pip at first wants nothing to do with Thanos, 
since he refused to help Pip rescue the Hulk from Annihilus last time. This was in the Thanos vs. Hulk miniseries, which we covered in episodes 30, 32, 37, and 39. However, once Pip learns that Adam is back, he rushes to find him. Thanos also informs Gamora, who's annoyed because she had been captured by slavers and was just about to escape. But Thanos tells her that staying on her present course will bring her right to Adam, so she has to pretend she's still a captive to see where they'll bring her. Turns out they're headed for New Kral. On New Kral, our characters are about to come together. Adam is the headlining feature in the fights, while Pip and the Guardians have separately shown up there as well. Star-Lord is a bit concerned about Adam's presence. Since the last time they saw him, Star-Lord killed him. He wants to just find Gamora and get the hell out. Along the way, Rocket tries to have his new red gem, which I'm going to be calling the red herring this episode, identified. But no one has any idea what it is. While he's trying to get it identified, we see Annihilus and several of the great powers, including the Shi'ar, Kree, Skrulls, and Galactus, among others, have now tracked the mysterious item of great power to New Kral. Hmm. Okay, that's as far as we get in this episode. Not to jump too far ahead, but even though the big reveal of the, this mysterious item of great power will be covered in the next episode, we're going to have to reveal it now because it's going to be really hard for us to accurately discuss this part of the story without revealing it. So here it is. Rocket's gem is nothing to trick. The real item of great power is Adam Warlock. You see, in the first hardcover, The Infinity Relativity, the Adam and Thanos of our reality come into contact with the Adam and Thanos of another reality. By the end of that story, our Thanos and our reality are still around. Our Adam is dead. As well as the other Thanos, and in fact that other entire reality. Only their Adam Warlock has survived. And is now living in our reality. Well, that's what we thought at the end of that story. Though the truth is that other reality survived as part of Adam Warlock. The entirety of that universe exists inside of him. Which is why he is so much more powerful than he was before. And has knowledge he shouldn't have. That was what happened last time. This time, the Guardians and Pip are in the audience of the arena, though not together, waiting for the match to start. From the conversations going on around them, we find out that Adam will be facing 30 opponents and that he never kills anyone he fights. When the fight starts, Thanos taps into the arena's video feed to observe and give his own commentary. At first, Adam just fights hand-to-hand, but then starts to display new powers, like energy shields, microwave powers, and personal armor. Finally, only one opponent is left, Gamora. They talk for a minute, mostly Gamora ensuring that Adam does not hold a grudge against the Guardians for killing him. He doesn't. Before they can talk more, they are distracted by a bright light in the sky. It is the Annihilation Wave teleporting in. Gladiator and the Shi'ar Imperial Guard have already arrived at New Kral, and they attack the wave. While the bugs making up the wave proved to be no match for them, Annihilus shows up and uses his fear broadcasting powers to make the Imperial Guard members too scared to defend themselves. Only Gladiator is able to somewhat override his fear and moves to take the fight to Annihilus himself. Back in the arena, everyone there is also feeling the fear effects. Everyone but Adam Warlock, that is. At a touch, he is able to remove Gamora's fear, and when Pip teleports in screaming they need to run, he removes Pip's fear as well. Adam then sends the two of them to round up the rest of the Guardians, while he takes to the sky to deal with the invasion. Above New Kral, Gladiator and Annihilus fight, but it is over fairly quickly with Annihilus savagely beating Gladiator. 
Once the victorious Annihilus flies off, Thanos teleports in and uses that ability to send Gladiator back to his own ship, but not before leaving a message. While Pip and Gamora corral the Guardians, Adam is busy fighting the Annihilation Wave, and beating most of them. However, Thanos realizes there are too many of the bugs coming through, and New Kral has already fallen. In a very Thanos-like move, he leaves a large bomb, and then grabs Adam and teleports them both out, right before the bomb explodes, destroying New Kral completely. Unfortunately, Blastar sees the initial blast wave, and is able to push himself and Annihilus back into the negative zone before they are destroyed. And in case you're worried, don't be. Gamora, Pip, and the Guardians also escaped in time. Alright, like I said, promo, and then on to our discussion. Hello, Paul. Hello. I am Dr. Herfenstaffner. Come in, in, please. Take a seat. Take a seat. What can I do for you today? I just... I just... I can't sleep. I I, I can't focus on anything. The only thing I can think about is, like, DC events. DC events? As in the comic books? DC events? Yes, yes. The comic book events. Ooh, interesting. Uh, are we we talking things like Crisis on Infinite Earths? Yeah, yeah, totally. That one, yeah. Uh, Infinite Crisis? Yeah, yeah, that one too. Oh, very, very. Invasion, maybe? Uh, yeah, yeah, definitely. Uh, the, uh, the Genesis? Uh, not so much. No? Oh. Okay, well, I think it's really good if you talk about the things that are troubling you in your life. So maybe you should do a podcast about this obsession. What, what, what do you call this obsession? What do you think it is? I think you're a unique case. I've not seen anything like this before in my office. I'm going to suggest that you have what we call DCOCD. What? DCOCD? You are obsessive and compulsive about your DC events. I think you should talk it out. Get it out of your system via a podcast. I will help you, my friend. We shall do a podcast together about your DCOCD. Oh, Okay. When I won't even start? charge you for it. <laughs> awesome. <laughs> I don't think I can claim you on <laughs> benefits. <clears throat> yeah, it's good. <laughs> when shall we start? Um, I'll get back to you on that. I'll check my I'll check my timetable. <laughs> cool. And we're back. We are. And it's time for Mia Culpa after the whipping and the beating and the gnashing of the teeth. And the hair shirts. Don't forget the hair shirts. Oh, yeah. That's, they're on order. <laughs> that's why I got Prime. Yes. <laughs> but, yes. So, slight, uh, So the guy's name is not Omega. It's just because mm-hmm. there's the big Omega on his chest. We mm-hmm. all, it just makes you think of it. It's called, how do you say it again? Ex-Nilo? Ex-Nilo. Or that, too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I've heard it both ways. Latin for out of nothing, but that was the name they gave him back in the day. And you also discovered who the artist was that created him. Uh, Jerome Opeña. Opeña, which sounds cor- which which now now that does tickle the old memory cells, so that's good. Uh, do I see a bio for him here? Philippine, he's Filipino. Oh, okay, yeah, that that yeah, okay, cool, cool, yeah. Wow. See, okay, maybe it's I don't know, maybe I don't understand the names, or maybe it's just a 
you know, if there's more than one nationality in him. I actually was assuming he was going to be some kind of, I thought that was, it sounded to me like a Spanish type name. Actually, either from Spain or Portugal or like South America. Well, due to colonialism and cross-pollination of cultures, I had a lot of Filipino friends growing up. There were a lot of Filipinos in my uh, in my town growing up, and all of their names were very Spanish-sounding. So ah. my, you know, um, I believe that linguistically, I, I, they do have a, a native language there. I believe it's called Tagalog or something like that. But my understanding is that in terms of names and official business and stuff like that, they either use Spanish or they use a very Spanish-sounding. Um, language, but yeah, there's a lot of Spanish linguistic influence in the Philippines. You know, you go you go back to the 70s when we got the first big influx of Filipino artists uh, working in, like on uh, on Conan, and you know there was all there was all like you know uh, 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 Jerry uh, Al 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 Ga uh, I wish Al Algaqua or something like that. They all have very Spanish sounding names because um, because for some reason like the the influx of fantasy like when Conan got big in the 70s and Marvel licensed it and they did the Savage Sword of Conan magazine a lot of the great artists that they brought in to work on those books there was like this huge influx of Filipino artists who were all really yes, good at right. drawing that kind of stuff uh, Tony DiZuniga was a mm -hmm. was a um, Filipino as well um, and I believe uh, there was one or two others, and I just I can't think of them off the top of my head. But yeah, so so you you'll note linguistically at least, yeah, a lot of Spanish in the Filipino culture. So that makes sense. Okay, and just go and just going with him real quick. By the way, recent because I do like his stuff. I remember. Mm -hmm. I mean, I have I still need to do a read of that run. I kind of just skimmed them. Yeah, you can't them. you can't do that lightly. It it, it it requires an intellectual commitment. You have to say, okay, I am now going to read Hickman's run. And uh, hell, you want to do Hickman's run? Actually, start with his Fantastic Four stuff because it's all of a piece. The Fantastic Four run, and then everything Hickman wrote chronologically up through and including Secret Wars. That is yep. one. That is possibly one of the densest, most epic. Uh, uh, narrative feats ever accomplished in the comic book medium. It's re it rewards the attention, but it's not something you can undertake lightly. You have to commit to it mentally. But yeah, so Jerome has done did the he was the artist on the Seven to Eternity series that hit by him and uh, Rick Remender. Rick Remender, which I have and I've been meaning to read. I, I love was, Remender's image stuff. Looks like late last year, and so for this year, it looks like he's mostly doing cover stuff. Yeah, so uh, sadly, that is the fate of a lot of guys I like. Uh, David Lopez, uh, Spanish, who's an actual Spanish artist, who uh, used to work on Captain Marvel and uh, All New Wolverine. Sadly, he has been uh, only doing covers for the last uh, year or two. And, yeah, he did uh, the cover for Deadpool, a variant cover for Deadpool number one mm -hmm. that just came out. A mm -hmm. uh, variant cover for Deathstroke thirty one. Mm-hmm. Which I've been, I'm on almost, I'm on volume now, wait, three. That's you're talking about Opeña or David Lopez? Opeña still. Okay, still Opeña. Okay, because we get very confusing, you and me. <laughs> yeah, and I'm on, I'm on volume three of that Deathstroke run because it's written by Christopher Priest and it's really awesome. I do really want to read that. It looks like it's good, but I'm getting so behind on my DC reading because I want to do it like in a, I want to do it in a, that's a in a, I want to do it in a, uh, in a, in, a, in a logical way so that I can follow whatever storylines are uh, like feed into one another but it's it's hard to keep track of that so i don't know like i often i don't know where to begin or where to end so pretty much i just stick to reading aquaman and uh superman and i let the rest of it like build up and build up and build up and i haven't gotten into it yet <laughs> well you can just start with volume one of that deathstroke because it's the rebirth one of the rebirth okay okay i will do uh, that and I will do that. finishing up on opinion real quick he also did recently a couple months ago 
uh, it says cover B, so I guess it's not a variance, more like, I guess, a split amount of cover mm-hmm. for an image book called Shirtless Bear Fighter. Yes. Oh, yes. Shirtless Bear Fighter. Yes. So I, not I, a one shot. That, 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 yeah, that, that one, that one along with uh, Grizzly Shark. Um, yeah, the, the oh. image. I love. I love image. Does some really, really weird stuff these days. And oh, one last real quick recce, just because people should be reading it, and I wanted to survive a long time. Sure. And so, just real quick recommendation while we were on, because you mentioned that uh, Opeña had worked with Rick Remender um, on uh, Seven to Eternity. Yes. And uh, Remender's Remender does some really good stuff over at uh, Image. He's got his own little imprint. I believe it's called Giant Generator or something like that. Um, and uh, anyway, point is, is that he just started a new one about a month ago, month or two ago, called Death or Glory, that he's working with uh, one of my favorite artists, a French uh, artist named Bengal. Oh, yeah, um, Death of Glory number one, cover dated, and number one and two, cover dated 2018. Yeah, just started, and the combination of Rick Remender and this sort of rockabilly, badass, Mad Max uh, uh, female revenge story thing, and Bengal's art, which is fantastic. I cannot, I'm, I'm loving it, and I want to. It is good. Bengal. Okay, that makes sense. Bengal's French. Yes. Because I, I was looking at the cover for the number one. It does kind of look like. It does have a bit of a feel like one of those fr- those uh, European comics. Like a Mobius sort of thing. Yeah. I first noticed him when he did the art for the first couple digital issues of The Adventures of Supergirl, the digital only series that they did to tie in with the Supergirl TV series. Yeah, I'm showing and, you that as his credits. Yeah. And, and, and that was the first time I saw his art, and I was like, wow, this is like amazingly appealing artistic style so i've been paying attention to him ever since and he's done some work for dc but now he's now he's got this this badass creator own thing going with remender over at image and it is like dude good shit read it now <laughs> so anyway back to uh thanos the infinity relativity we're we'll we'll get it we'll get a few pages of this pages of this knocked out this episode i promise <laughs> okay so yes back to that so Annihilus has has his uh well they're yeah so they're still in the crowd mm-hmm Watching, trying to figure out what Warlock's doing as a gladiator. Yeah, we haven't, we haven't yet. We that has not yet been revealed, really. Just that he's doing it, um, and he is the champion, the the champion, the uh, dare I say, uh, the wrestling callback to some of the off 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 mic inter, uh, t- conversation we've had. He's the Kenny Omega of this world. <laughs> exactly. So he is going to fight. How many did they say he is thirty? Yeah, uh, thirty mm-hmm. of the most. Of the most bloodthirsty mercenaries they can get from uh-huh. the, from dozens of the sectors' most violent worlds, and this is a cool, you know, nice two-page spread again of Adam. And I actually like how he does this sp- spread. It's the middle is the big two-page spread, but up top you have mm-hmm. like a little row of panels up top there mm-hmm. on the bottom as well. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, is it just me though, or does it look like the guy right next to Adam does not want to be there? The blue guy. Oh yeah, no, he looks like. It's funny because he's holding up that curved sword, but the look on his face—it's like he's holding it up, like "Don't hit me." Yeah, he's not. Doesn't look like he's holding it like he's ready for battle. He looks like he's holding it in front of him, like he's never picked up a sword in his life, and yeah. he's just kind of—he's holding it in front of his face to keep from getting hit, which is hilarious because you can just see Adam Warlock hitting the sword and burying it in his skull. Yeah, which I—which is totally what I would do if I were in Adam Warlock's place. I mean, that but, would be before dying, but you know, that would be what my first yes. move. But you know, remember though, they said beforehand he does not kill the opponents. Right, right, exactly. exactly. He's one of the ones that, so they're all safe. 
But now, do we see anyone else in these crowds here, in this crowd scenes? I don't think so. Um, no one recognizable. The only other one, going back to the previous two-page spread, the only other guy I recognize is the guy who's standing up, like, calling for a beer or some popcorn or whatever next to Peter <laughs> Quill. And that's, like, with the purple skin and the, and the like, sort of top knot. that's, like, clearly someone, if it's not the same druggy guy we saw in the Infinity Revelation, then it is certainly of the same species as the druggy guy. And I like that little bit of a callback by uh, Starlin. That's kind of cool. Yeah, and on the next page, when you see uh, the panel with a uh, Star Lord, Rocket, and uh, Drax, uh-huh. right behind, between Rocket and Drax, that looks like one of the uh, one of the inhabitants of uh, I forget the name of the planet, but where Yondu comes from, from the other Guardians of the Galaxy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I could see Alpha. I believe he was well. Initially, I only read like of Yondu's version of the uh, of the Guardians. I only read the original like '60s stuff. Well, but, but still, so he here, was that, he was supposed to be from Alpha Centauri at that point. It. Thank you. So, yeah. Yeah, I need to read those. I read the Valentino run. OK, which I which I want to read. I, I do like that sort of group of guardians. So I want to I want to go through that. But I know, you know, they had a lot of stuff with the Avengers in the 70s and whatnot. So I'm going to get there eventually, too. Man, my, I, I'm never going to finish my reading list. I will die. At age ninety-five, with like this reading list I have now unfinished, it's ridiculous. Oh, I, I, and I keep buying stuff on sale in Comicsology. Like, ooh, the Demon Omnibus of by Jack Kirby. Every issue he did for six bucks. Yes, please. Yes, I'll, I'll take that. Thank you very much. Exactly. And, but exactly. that's after I read the two volumes of Kazar by uh, Mark Wade and mm-hmm. uh, Kubert, and after I re- finish reading the three volume mega volumes of Just League of America, the mm-hmm. in the sixties. Plus the four volume containing all of Grant Morrison's Just League of America, which I definitely want to do that. The JLA run, I want to do that very badly. I want to read uh, after seeing our our friend and podcasting buddy uh, John M. Wilson on Twitter. Uh, uh, after seeing his recent laments over the demise of the book, I definitely want to finish reading New Superman, um, or New Superman in the Justice League of China, if you if you prefer. That's right. Um, I heard about that. Yeah, yeah so that's on my uh, list eventually. That's yeah. So we'll get we'll get around to it. So so but yeah, we got it. This is actually a, a, a these two page spreads are with the arena stuff is really like that had to be super time consuming for him. Like, yeah, you think enough. you think this is why they gave him an original graphic novel because this was not coming out on a monthly schedule. God no. <laughs> His ambition like knows no bounds. Guys. What'd you say? I do like the two big guys in the middle, the purple, yeah. the, the the blue one, and like the purple pink one. Yeah, I mean they're kind of stereotypically gladiatorly, but I dig those. I'm actually a bigger fan of the guy all the way on the on the left with the visor and the sort of hawk helmet with the beak. Oh yeah, like, and like that's the sky, nice, yeah, like the, the curved sword or a scimitar. It looks like a sickle, sickle you know. And, and I'm like that. That's actually a nifty sort of uh, sort of Roman, but not Roman sort of callback, you know. Um, and one thing I noticed taking time, I'm looking at now, they're all wearing boots, mm-hmm. but he's drawn different boots for everybody. I much. know. That's what I'm talking about. Like, you, you think to yourself, these every single bit of design that we see here, from weapons to faces to to clothes and, and, and accessories, if you wish, like, every single one of those is a design choice. So you really have to... Um, Give like as like I said, he had to choose like how to do each one of those. Again, just kudos. The effort and time involved in that had to have been considerable. I'm, I'm looking at this blue guy. I'm wondering if like, did how long has Adam been here doing this? Does he know that Adam isn't going to kill? Is this like some guy who's like just he has no idea what he's doing, but he needs the money? He's like, well, I heard this guy doesn't kill. So yeah, 
You know, I can get a, my ass kicked and still get paid, right? Well, remember I, I, how they, how they, how this uh, uh, scroll uh, overlord or whatever credits them. Um, the most bloodthirsty mercenaries we could procure from dozens of the sector's most violent worlds. Like this guy's like, I'm a bloodthirsty mercenary. I'm a bloodthirsty mercenary. I'm a bloodthirsty mercenary. It's like he's trying to convince himself as much as anybody else. See, I got it. See, they run to the world, and kind of like what we had our conversation before. Oh, you said off mic. We talked about uh, Kenny Omega. Yeah. They went looking to the world. They were looking for Darkseid. Right. But they got Charlie Darkseid. That's what it is, yes. Not Darkseid. This is Charlie. No, I'm sorry. You wanted Gus Darkseid. He's the badass. I'm Charlie Darkseid. I'm his third cousin, twice removed, but same last name. Yes. Grandpa, you know, it's our great-grandfather's name. Anyway. Yeah, that's that's, that's exactly what happened. He's the one of Apocalypse. Oh my god! You want, you want him going on an apocalypse? Yeah, yeah, we don't really talk inside the family too much. Yeah, birthday parties are not they're they're not really good about sending Christmas cards. I left there, man. They were such a drag. You know, we we really yeah, uh, we we don't get along. So I'm just doing my own thing, man. But that's it's Charlie <laughs> trying to make a buck. Yeah. Okay. So you, so now we've named blue guy Charlie Darkseid, and I hope he turns up again so I can say ah, and Charlie Darkseid uh, goes down. There we go. That sounds like a plan. Okay. So moving along to the uh, next. Uh, now we now we've got two separate pages. So now we're back to single pages, um, and yeah. and I love that Thanos is sort of watching it on TV. He's Netflix and chilling. He's he's the color commentary. Yes. Yes, he is exactly. He's color commentary. Um, he's, he's calling that like you know immediately taking out his biggest, most dangerous opponent has always been Warlock's method of operation. So Thanos, you see this as a as an expected strategy from Adam Warlock. Yes. Yes, I do. And for, you know, like, yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> he's, he's the color commentator. <laughs> Wait, did you ever see um, Dodgeball? No, no, I haven't watched that one. Oh, uh, because they have that. They're on TV. And um, why am I forgetting his names all of a sudden? Oh, my God. I can't believe I can't remember his name. Actor, um, Arrested Development, uh, Valerie. Um, Jeffrey the Tambor? No, no, the Hogan family. The one, oh, uh, the Justin, Justin, Justin... Not Justin, uh, Bateman. Uh, Jason yes. Bateman. Jason Bateman. Yeah. Jason Bateman plays like this idiot color commentary guy. Like a complete like moron. Yeah. Doing the color com- like helping do the commentary. Time! Time is up! It looks like the clock is about to strike midnight on this Cinderella story, turning average Joes into the proverbial pumpkin. I sure do like pumpkins, Cotton. I want to see him in Thanos. Yeah, yeah. No or, commentary for this. Or better, or better yet, did you ever see Best in Show? A um, long time ago. Yeah. Yeah, Fred Willard as the idiot <laughs> commentator at the dog show. That's what I was picturing. Uh, you know, it'd be funny. I don't know if they can do this. Uh, uh, just an idea off the top of my head. Why didn't he put the blood on? Put on one of those Sherlock Holmes hats and put a little pipe in his mouth. Are they ever allowed to do anything like that? Dress up a dog in a funny way? You know, that's uh, it's not quite what the uh, purpose of these shows. But it would. I think it would really get the crowd going. You know, you know what I mean? The Sherlock Absolutely, Holmes hat yes. with the pipe. I don't know if you could make it look like smoke's coming out of the pipe. I think that would be a little dangerous. <laughs> I'd get a kick out of it. I think we're pretty much picturing more or less the same thing. Just yeah. different actors playing that kind of character. But exactly. Yeah. Dumb yeah. as hell. But yeah, and so he continues the color. I'm not seeing anything new that ju- thus far. Just Warlock amusing himself, brawling. Or is he? I mean, this is literally color commentary. This is fantastic. Thank yeah. you, Al. Uh, and now, but now Adam is actually, now things are changing a bit. Adam is actually not just fighting people. He's using new powers. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. He has made energy shields right. out of thin air. 
He's also generating a protective suit of armor. So this is this is new Adam Warlock post. I don't want to say rebirth because that's a TM and uh, R um, DC Comics nowadays, but uh, post uh, refor- reformation. There you oh, go. how's that for a callback? Remember our the first episode that we did of this when we covered a uh, Marvel premiere, um, Adam's uh, re- rebirth in, Ad- in, in Marlowe's, uh, Adam's uh, uh, the, the High Evolutionary in Adam, and we talked about what a religious allegory it was. Oh, so yeah. This was, so this was Adam Warlock's Reformation. Starring Martin Luther as Adam Warlock. As Adam he Warlock. Back in time and got him. Exactly. <laughs> so there you go. Unfortunately, um, he only knows German. <laughs> That's why he hasn't had a whole lot of dialogue so far. He's just he's like he's like early Arnold Schwarzenegger, you know. They try to keep just the dialogue to a minimum. Just hit things and look really really good on camera. Okay. And it's not just armor. If you're noticing on there, he's created a mace. Yeah. Yeah, like a sort of energy uh mace. It's actually or actually what I'm thinking of the way it's look, drawn to, it's almost like the he is the invisible woman's force field power. Mhm. Mhm. You know, making a force field and objects in her hand, you know, to use. Mhm. Exactly. And- He's now using that to beat the hell out of people. So he's got a sort of, yeah, he's got an invisible woman energy projection field manipulation kind of a thing going I mean, on. That and goes with shields, too. Basically, so right now he has the invisible woman's powers. Mm-hmm. And he's cleaning the decks, and guys are flying but not dying. Yeah. And now a microwave broadcast, it says, so he's right now is exhibiting fire, store, fire stars and invisible woman's powers. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Wave of energy force, he can select the bandwidth, yada, yada, yada. And uh, his final adversary, oh, his final adversary is none other than the world's, the galaxy's most dangerous woman, Gamora. Gamora. Okay, um, so real quick, by the way, we don't see Charlie again, so I'm assuming Charlie just got knocked out. Yeah, Charlie just went flying. Hold on, does uh, Charlie go flying here? Um, uh, let's see. Yeah, I don't see Charlie. I, yeah, yeah, I believe on I believe on that last uh, uh, single page where he's cleaning the decks and uh, uh, he has the mace and the energy uh, uh, suit for the first time at the bottom of the page where he's just you know doing a sort of sweep around, uh, uh, hit everybody and let them fly. I believe that's Charlie uh, uh, Darkside oh, in the bottom, in the bottom left corner, bottom left corner of the page. I'm calling that that's that's Charlie Death. Uh, Charlie, I was about to say Charlie Kind of looks like it could be him. So let's go with that. Yeah, Charlie Darkside gets it right there. Okay. Hey, he lasted more than two minutes. That's fine. Good for him. Yeah, yeah. So there you go. Um, so the now the bar will never believe that. So now they're going to. So now, now that the action is over, uh, Warlock and Gamora are going to have a tête-à-tête, a heart-to-heart, a little uh, conversation. Yeah. Now my question first is, what is she talking about? The paint job on her armor? Because she says, "How do you like the paint job they gave my armor? I suppose it make me more menacing looking." Is she talking about just the little skull on her shoulder, or is she yeah. making it green and black? That's her color match. Her, I'm I'm not really sure what they're going with here. Yeah, I um, I I think it's I'm going with the skulls on the shoulder pads because I don't see anything else that is particularly um, ungamora like that, that's particularly like menacing looking or. Gamora-ish, although the color job is still, I, I know I remarked on it in the last episode, the, the color job, and especially the close-up of her eyes, is still giving yeah. me the impression that... It's makeup. ...that the green is makeup, and that is that is that is left, like, unapplied around the eyes. Yeah, that she's actually Caucasian yeah. with green makeup, when in fact she's green-skinned with 
yellow with yellow around her eyes. Yeah, that uh, that is a that is a um, I don't know. I, I'm not sure. I'm I'm down so much with that coloring choice because it's a little. It, it takes. I'm I'm wondering about that and not like focused on the story. You know what I'm saying? Exactly. But anyway, besides that, mm-hmm. it's still we got Gamora and Adam together, which is cool because it's mm-hmm. been a while since that's happened. Yep. And and once again, uh, and she she refers to the fact that he's well alive again, which is a thing. And <laughs> That's uh, she right. and Star Lord killed me. Right, and <laughs> so she's checking. About. She's checking. You are you cool with the Guardians? Because considering that Star Lord killed you, um, now that you're alive again, are you are you out for revenge on us or anything? And he's like, no, nothing to worry about. I would never do anything to harm you or yours. And uh, he remembers that he wanted. Cool. So that's yeah. actually so. This is good. This is establishing, despite the fact that he's this sort of like scowling badass in the arena. And basically, since the Infinity Revelation, we have not been a hundred percent sure how "quote unquote" good guy this uh, particular incarnation of Warlock is. So this sort of good, um, uh, this sort of good sort of awareness of the context of what's going on, uh, definitely. It helps make him a more sympathetic character at this point. Um, yeah, because remember, this is not the Adam Warlock that we're reading about. That like that you know that we're reading about in the Warlock issues by Starlin. This is an alternate reality Warlock, mm-hmm. more or less the same history, mm-hmm. but not the same one. That one is dead. Mm-hmm. This is not only just not a new incarnation; it's a completely brand new, you know, vert. You know, it's completely different. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Including new costume, which I'm still not too thrilled with. Yeah, yeah. But I'm assuming there's going to be a point to all of that, I, and it's probably going to be gone by the time this, you know, by the time this whole trilogy of graphic novels is over. It is. It is a very. It is very much an annihilation era looking thing, though. You know, I mean, it's very much like had he had had that costume turned up in any of Annihilation or the early uh, Guardians of the Galaxy issues by uh, Abnett and Lanning. Uh, I, it would have like very. It would have fit in perfectly. So yeah, but it's still. I, I I still prefer the other. I like Adam with a cloak. Yeah, I know, I know, I know. And you've been doing this long enough. You can have preferences, but yeah. uh, <laughs> but it, it works for now. And you know, it's part of the story. And I know it won't be there forever because his costume changes constantly. So it's okay. I'll so live. now this is this next page is a little unclear to me because all of a sudden, color commentator Thanos says another player steps onto the stage. Thanos and Gamora look up and they say, you know, what's this serious trouble? Stay near me, Gamora. And then we cut to cut to a Annihilus portal opening up the Annihilation Wave bug drone soldier things pouring out and and facing the Imperial Shi'ar's Imperial Guard. But were we aware that the Imperial Guard were physically there before this? I don't remember. Um, well, doesn't... I think they were, they were on their way there. Oh, okay, okay. Weren't they? Going back to that, t- um, well, we knew all these people knew about this thing. Mm-hmm. Right, and I remember also... everybody sort of, sort of like, you know, saying, you know, oh, everybody get, uh, realizing what was going on sort of at the same time. And so, it's just, I, I guess my I guess... point is, it wasn't immediately clear to me upon reading this, that this conflict in the skies is what, that they could see it from the arena and that it's what uh, Warlock well, and Gamora were, were, were referring to and looking at in that first panel. Though the conflict hadn't happened yet. If you notice, okay, so look at the panel where it says, Lord Gladiator, sensors identified as one of the Nihilus's teleportation portals. 
Mm-hmm. And you can see, so that's, there's the ship on the left. And on the right of that panel, you see that building. It almost looks like the Empire State Building. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's yeah. like the bright light, like the beams of light flashing all over. Mm-hmm. That's the interpretation. Now, go to the panel above where they say, with Adam and Gamora saying, what's this? Look at the very, it's not fully on the page, but if you look all the way in the top, right to the right of where Thanos's word balloon is. Yeah, you see the flash of light. So, you yeah. see the bright light. So, that's what they're looking at. So, they're just looking, they're not seeing a conflict yet because that's not happening. They're mm-hmm. just seeing all of a sudden this flash of light of Annihilus teleporting in. Fair enough. Not the smoothest transition in the world, but I'll take it. Yeah. No, I'm not going to say it's the best done because it takes, you know, but it is there. Okay. And uh, now, now they're the, and you know what? I'm strangely okay with the annihilation, with this part of the annihilation waves plan. Obviously, I want the annihilation wave to fail. At the same time, I loathe uh, Gladiator with the blinding might of a thousand suns. And I, there is nothing in uh, Marvel Comics more satisfying to me than watching Gladiator get his ass kicked. So I'm actually on the Annihilation Wave side for this for these two pages. I kind of like the Imperial Guard. They're fun. No, the, the Imperial Guard jumps to conclusions, forces their way into other people's comics, uh, uh, imprisons people and puts them on trial for no goddamn reason other than the Shi'ar Empire under Gladiator thinks it is total jurisdiction over everybody in the universe. And he's just he's a giant dick, basically. Yeah, but it's Superboy and the Legion, so it's just kind of fun to figure out which character is which. Absolutely, but but he's no Superboy. No, God no. That's my point. That's my point is Gladiator is no Superboy, which I yeah. don't think that is a statement that has perhaps ever been uttered in a comics podcast before. So I'll take ownership of that one. But, but it's very uh, true. But it's a very true statement, and I'm standing behind it a hundred percent. My name is Michael Bailey, and I am still kind of a bad geek. Not a fan of anime, never seen any of the Harry Potter films, much less read the books. I ventured a little further into the worlds of Star Wars and Star Trek, and I've even managed to watch a little Doctor Who. I've also managed to not watch a single episode of The Walking Dead. So what do I like? Comic books. I have been reading and collecting comic books since 1987, and I've been a fan of superheroes for as long as I can remember. Some would consider this a hobby, but I prefer to look at it as what it truly is, a crippling addiction that I may never recover from. Back in 2007, I started a podcast called Views from the Long Box to deal with this borderline personality disorder. Every week or so, I pick a particular comic or issue or character or whatever to talk about them and then... Well, I I talk about them. It's kind of what a podcast is. Sometimes I'm alone. Sometimes I'm joined by my semi-regular co-host, the Irredeemable Shag, or Thomas DJ, and the permanent semi-regular co-host, Andrew Leyland, and sometimes another friend from the podcasting and comic book world stops by to chat. The show is located at www.viewsfromthelongbox.com, where you can find old episodes and show notes, and links to my other internet endeavors. You can also find the show on Facebook, and I'm on Twitter under the handle at Bailey's Podcasts. Views from the Long Box, a podcast about comic books or a desperate cry for help. You decide. Every Tuesday or so at www.viewsfromthelongbox.com. And 
we have Neutron and Manta with him, which I believe are supposed to be versions of, I think, Starboy and Shadowlass. Okay, now here's my question. Why is Neutron? Is Neutron a character we've seen before? One and two, why is he wearing an X-Men costume? Neutron, yeah, we have seen Neutron before. He's okay. been around for a while. Oh, okay, I don't follow the Imperial Guard too, too closely outside of uh, Gladiator and I believe Warbird is her name. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, I don't follow them Smash- too closely. Wasn't there one of them in the Avengers Smasher? Yes, yes, she was in the Avengers. She was like human born, right? And then she yeah, uh, Mary Cannonball, I believe. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Um, and and uh, uh, yeah, the reason I knew from Warbird was because she figured prominently in some of the X-Men issues that Chris Bocciolo drew. I believe Bendis was writing it, which is why I would have been reading it at that time. So. Yeah, Neutron has been around, well, not as long as I thought, but he has been around okay. since Avengers West Coast number 81, so Operation Galactic Storm. Oh, okay, okay, so since the early 90s then. That's yes. fair. That's fair. So he would have been created, I guess you could say, by Roy and Dan Thomas and Dave Ross. Okay, probably, and and you know, you know, given his his role not in not just um, Operation Galactic Storm, but in the Avengers at that time, you know, Mark Gruenwald probably had a hand in that as well. Oh yes, that's right. Because yeah, he was still doing Quasar. I was yeah, gonna say, no. wasn't he passed away by then? But no, he was still alive. Yeah, no, and he was doing Quasar, and he was still at that point, I believe, the ultimate overseer of all things Avengers. So you know, yeah, Roy and Dan Thomas were the uh, were the writers on on uh, West Coast Avengers, but they were all working for Mark Gruenwald, creatively speaking. So yeah. Now looking at the picture here of Neutron, by the way, on Comic Book DB, uh huh, which I'm looking at it. It's sort of yes, it does look similar to the X Men costume instead. It's the yellow with the like the red belt. Yeah. But the black part is his skin. It's supposed to be his skin. Oh, I see. So that's supposed to be sort of like a bit of a, a sort of wrestling singlet looking thing. Or... Yeah, and okay. it actually almost looks like the reason I said Starboy from the Legion is because he has uh, his skin looks like it's all black, like this, but dark, but like uh, the like the universe, and then the, the white little has the. Supposed to have like these white little specks, like stars, all over him. Okay, yeah, like I need he's to, a universe-given form. That is definitely something I need to uh, I, I need to catch up on, and I want to get into is the uh, Legion of Superheroes. I have uh, started with Paul Levitz's run pre Great Darkness Saga, and I'm still and I'm still learning who's who. So um, you know, outside of a uh, Bouncing Boy and. Uh, um, duplicate girl or duplicate uh i'm still i'm still learning who's who it's a big roster of characters to get your arms around uh anew so i'll get there but uh um yeah well that's a good place to start i've read that elsewhere and that's why i uh and that's why i started there because uh i wanted to uh i knew paul levitz is the definitive writer on legion of superheroes so i definitely wanted to take in his work I can't argue there. So, so okay. So they're they're fighting. They're fighting. They're fighting. I love the, I love this this image of the bug's head just splurching off of its neck. Like yeah. it's it like like it looks. I guess from the play, from the from the layout, it, it's getting punched. Literally, his head is getting punched clean off by uh, uh, Gladiator's punch. And of course, given the amount of bug blood in the panel, I'm using the word clean uh, under advisement. Yeah. Yes, definitely not clean. There's a nice little, you know, big goopy. Goopy, goopy, glurp. There's glurp. 
And uh, then Annihilus yes. steps into the scene from his portal, and he says, Let all know fear! And the rays of badness just come off him, and all of a sudden, everybody's terrified. And I, now, be- yeah. before we get to that, real quick, uh-huh. um, do you see what he says in the, pan- the first panel on that page? Which he says, uh, the troops have all taken your assigned prophylactics. <laughs> yes. Oh, oh, five. Yes, yes. Uh, Starlin's dialogue choices over the last few pages have been kind of interesting to me on several levels. Go back a couple of pages to where uh, uh, Warlock is uh, acknowledging that Quill uh, killed him and that he's okay with it. And Gamora's acknowledgement of that is, yeah, it was pretty screwed up which is so not a, a, a sentence you'd expect to come out of Gormora's mouth. And now you come back here, and yes, they have the assigned prophylactics. And then on the next one, you've got Boltar, I believe it is, um, uh, who says, uh, fire it up, sire. Fire it up, sire. Like, <laughs> the, the, the role of Boltar in this panel will be played by Jeff Spicoli. <laughs> Dude, fire it up, man. <laughs> fire it up, sire. <laughs> so but anyway. I just had to have some fun with that because I was very amused by that when I reread it last night. Yeah, yeah. So uh, um, the time has come to eliminate, and boom, he goes and he lets all know fear. And you move on to the next page. I love, I love this the the panel, the first panel in the middle row on the next page, which is such a Stan Lee panel because all of a sudden. Gladiator just stops and goes, I am being overwhelmed by bone-numbing terror. What is this overpowering dread? And that is such an early 60s Stan Lee, like, panel. Oh, my God. Yeah. Like, the just sitting there and, like, I'm going to tell you. Why don't you just tell me the name of the movie you want to see? It's just, it's so on the nose. It's fantastic. Yeah, I mean, at least the the way they do the other two getting fear is a much more... It's written in a much more natural way. Mm-hmm. It's, you know, their number, number, they're going to get us by the numbers. We're all going to die. Run. Yes, exactly. Actually, you combine that with the, with, the, with the previous panel, the top panel on the page, and it is actually an even more over-the-top, like, self-narration. It's like, there is nothing I can do to save them. I, too, will surely soon die. I am being overwhelmed by bone-numbing terror. It's... <laughs> Yes, unfortunately, uh, I guess they kill off these two now. Uh-huh. But they're pure guard people. They, I think they either clone them or they just have replacements ready. I mean, because they keep coming back. Every time an Imperial Guard person dies, they always seem to come back later on. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So now what really drives home what's going on here? Like, So this is all a little bit silly and over the top, right? And it's for all of Gladiator's uh, uh, shouting about being overwhelmed by bone-numbing terror, like... It doesn't really drive it home until the bottom of the page. Here's what gets me. Gamora. Annihilus will massacre us all, and she starts running for her damn life. And that is so jarring. That is so not Gamora. That makes you realize how really weird and over-the-top this Annihilus thing yeah, is. Yeah, it's fear power now. He just makes everyone mm-hmm. scared. He's, he's the opposite of the man thing. Yes, yes, exactly. He should team up with man thing. No. No, I'm going to. Well, I'm I mean, going if he wants to win. I mean, think about it. He let, could just he could make a whole planet burn. Yeah, yeah. 
Fair. That's true. That's true. No, absolutely. You're absolutely right. They could party up RPG style and, you know, chain their attacks. His fear attack and then all who knew fear burn at the touch of the man thing. Yes. I mean, Man-Thing doesn't want anything. Man-Thing really just has no clue where he is, what's going on. Man-Thing just lumbers around. He takes Man-Thing on his ship, lets Man-Thing loose on a planet, lets everyone be fear. Man-Thing torches everything, puts Man-Thing back on the ship, and it's like, eh, let him wander around. Who cares? Exactly. He kills you. He kills you. I don't give a crap. All who know fear burn at the touch of the Man-Thing, and then Annihilus let all know fear. Boom. That is classic RPG uh, uh, attack combo. There we go. Fantastic. But Fantastic. the important thing for me is the bottom panel of the right page mm-hmm. of the page here. Mm-hmm. Pip, Adam, and Gamora together again, finally. Ah, we'll see, since, which is not as much to me. I mean, I know intellectually that that's a thing, but since I have not read those Warlock issues yet, I, uh, I, cannot, uh, I, I don't have the attachment to it that others do. Yeah, I do. I mean, I like her in Guard- doing this stuff with Guardians, but... Either I, I'm hoping now, and maybe afterwards, we'll either get Pip and or Adam guest starring more, or even if not joining me, well, maybe not Adam joining, but I wouldn't mind seeing Pip join mm-hmm. just to pick mm-hmm. up, piss off Rocket. Mm-hmm. Yeah, as we'll find out shortly. Yeah, because 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 yeah, that's fantastic. But uh, so now this is interesting because the panic goes away, like the effect of Annihilus's fear, whatever, goes away the minute uh, Adam touches her, and he doesn't even have to touch her skin; he actually just touches her skull emblazoned shoulder pad. Yeah, well, I mean, what we're the explanation we're going to get for Adam soon? That's just one of his new abilities because uh-huh. which he's got a ton of them. Yeah, yeah, oh, he's got pretty much all of them. Yeah. So and so Pip comes back, uh, flee, blow town, escape, and Pip and everyone's back together again. And Adam does the healing from fear thing on Pip again. And uh, although if you notice, Pip came to them before running away. Right. Right. He Which came to get them. Speaks well of Pip, right? Or at least when it comes to Adam and Gamora. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Most other people, probably not so much. A and few so, people, maybe. But Adam and Gamora, definitely. Here's another, like, sort of slightly out of character uh, bit of Starlin dialogue choice for Adam Warlock here. As he, you know, he, he says, Pip, reunite Gamora with the rest of the Guardians. And then he goes away. Well, after you do what? And he goes, a bit of pest control. And it's like, Wow. Warlock really has changed if he's employing one-liners now. I I don't know. That that kind of fits in with me with like the '70s stuff. Oh, okay. One, some of the other ones maybe not. But that one kind of felt true to me. Okay. Okay. Fair enough. Fair enough. Again, I am working off a limited Adam Warlock repertoire here, um, so I will uh, I will take your word for that. Um, and I must say, uh, uh, skipping ahead just a little bit because we have more action, action, action. And it's like, on the one hand, you know, fine. The page here, it's, two, it's basically two panels. Gladiator rushing at Annihilus and Gladiator punching Annihilus. Mm-hmm. But think of this. Layout-wise, is this not perhaps the most stereotypical superhero comic page ever created? I mean, don't you get the sense that this particular thing, like those exact poses and that exact sequence of two-panel sequence of events, has been depicted countless times in superhero well, comics yeah. over the no, last 50 years it's I, a very traditional it's also a bit of a i want to say gil kane type one with the guy being punched like where you can see if if Annihilus had nostrils we'd be seeing up them yeah yeah and i just i'm just thinking to myself he's just embraced this classic uh uh, uh composition he's just well, embraced it well, no I mean, apologies it does, make, it does make sense also for the fact of what these two guys are mm-hmm. i mean 
this is basically considering the coloring a bit of him also and the size he is now mm-hmm. this is almost like a superman versus hulk fight yeah yeah so of course you're gonna want you're not gonna want to go with i mean it depends on the characters but superman versus hulk you can have it in there somewhat but you don't want to have it all be nine panel grid mm-hmm. no, you want to have nice big panels of them beating the crap out of each other right no exactly and, and i'm not i'm just i'm just saying this yeah, particular two panel sequence is so so like unbelievably noticeably uh, uh we'll say archetypal you know i won't yeah. say stereotypical i'll say it's, it's such a such an obvious archetype that it's just like wow like that's amazing you know it's like uh it, it just was noteworthy to me and one thing we get in here that we're not on this on these two pages that we don't get in too much in this volume a little mm-hmm. bit but not too much is something i really enjoy and loving that starlin's doing uh-huh. his version of blastar yes yes his indeed. blastar is a lot his blastar is basically annihilus's sergeant fury yes that's right that's what that it was it was blastar who said fire it up sire on the uh, oh. Previous two page yeah. spread. Oh, right yeah. here, Lord and Ellis. We've got an incoming Shi'ar monarch. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. He's, he's yeah, a little, right. he's a little sassy, and I like it. Yeah, he is. He's his version. He's the negative, negative zone Sergeant Fury. And hey, who knows better? Who knows better from Sergeant Fury than me? Yeah, <laughs> you do. But yeah, so I love him as that, and I, I really. That's one of the things. On my list of disappointments that Starlin's not going to be doing stuff for Marvel, potentially, mm-hmm. is besides no more of Adam Warlock or Thanos stuff from him. Yeah. No more of his Blastar. Yeah. Which is a lot of fun, and it actually makes me enjoy this character that I have never, ever given a crap about. But back to the big old fight. Yeah, we – and I do have to say, big old fight, Annihilus versus Gladiator. Annihilus brings the sass too. I love this bit here where he's he's basically talking shit to Gladiator about the Hulk. And he says, you know, the Hulk gave me more trouble than you. You're not going to allow a mere Earther to outshine Shi'ar's mightiest, are you? Apparently you are. It's like, yeah. wow, the sick burns coming out of Annihilus. Like I do have to say – for all of all of the all of the stentorian Shakespearean sort of uh, science fantasy gravitas that Starlin's presenting us with, we're getting Team Annihilus is bringing an awful lot of sass to the table, and I'm oh, liking yeah. it. They are well, maybe not Baltar too much, but he doesn't look like he should have much of a sense of humor anyway. No, right. What's what's awesome and what's a joy to read? Annihilus and Blastar, at least, are clearly enjoying themselves. And okay, admittedly, if I had like an annihilation wave army at my beck and call, and I was in the process of apparently successfully invading a complete different, a completely different dimension, I would probably be enjoying myself too. But I do have to say, like the the palpable sense of glee that these two are having, like the palpable sense that they that this isn't just something that they want to do. This is something that they're enjoying doing. I'll give it to Starlin. That's fun. That's fun. Yeah, no, I agree. And so now we finish down that finish off that beat down of Gladiator Mm -hmm. with it doesn't look like he's punching him. It looks like he's just clawing at him. Yeah, just sort of uh, savaging him like a beast almost. Yeah, like, I mean, that's... Ooh. Yeah, yeah, it's kind of grody, kind of grody, kind of strip, 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 because then in the next panel, you know, when he says, none can stand against the will of Annihilus the Predator, uh, his claws are dripping. With Gladiator's blood. Yeah, yeah. 
I'm surprised he didn't like completely eviscerate him, although we do have a rather disturbing pool of blood under Gladiator. Mm-hmm. Now. Not that, as you pointed out before, though, not that it matters. Gladiator will be back. Yes. Because <laughs> he always comes back. I got better. <laughs> I got better. So, And now Thanos shows up. He, he, he sparkles into the scene. He's um, like, all right, I got to deal with this. I got to do something now. This is a Benson fold in a manner not much to my liking. <laughs> yeah, which is Thanos speak for, no, sir, I don't like it. Okay. No, sir. <laughs> um, this new and oversized Annihilus. Did you just call Annihilus fat? Yeah. He's not fat. He's big bones. <laughs> Are you fat shaming An- uh, Annihilus, the predator there, Thanos? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I'm not fat. I'm big boned. And uh, a rare, I do have to say, this new Thanos is charmingly humble because he actually says you bested a gladiator far more easily than I would have. Yeah. I'm like, wow. He's like, okay, um, I don't need to. Uh... Well, he's very self He's This isn't slightly older Thanos than we've had before, especially in, for instance, the Captain Marvel run when mm-hmm. he was going for the Cosmic Cube. I mean, like we said back then, maturity-wise, that Thanos was like 14 years old. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And we did talk about that, yeah. Because one thing about going ahead when we get to that, hopefully in a year or so, Infinity Gauntlet, uh-huh. by the end of that, he does mature a little bit. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So this is a Thanos, based on those things that have happened in the past, maybe he's in his, at this point, he's at least uh, college age, maturity-wise, mm-hmm. if not early 20s, like post-college, like early 20s. Yeah. He's yeah. actually come to realize, I have limitations. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And so it's like, okay, you kicked his ass way quicker than I would have kicked his ass, which means you are definitely more powerful than me right now. Okay. Damn, that's a problem. So he basically mind thralls Gladiator, um, and I love the look in Gladiator's eyes uh, uh, in these in these panels because he's just like he's clearly not home. The lights are on, but nobody's home. Yeah, <laughs> and there he just ports him back home. He says, "You there, attend to your leader." <laughs> yeah, drops him off. <laughs> and I like that the you there again with the with the uh, with the um, uh, Legion of Superheroes. Clearly, that's Brainiac Five. Yes. So. I forget his name as a character, but yeah, that's their version of Brainiac 5. Yeah, yeah. And some random Shi'ar woman, although with that armor thing, I always it looks like to me Lilandra. Yeah, I'm like I'm thinking, not. oh, and Lilandra just happens to be there, so... Um, but she can't if he's the one in charge. And Thanos continues to narrate as Warlock uh, keeps the Annihilation Wave busy, and he's doing a pretty good job. He is like single-handedly like frying the bugs. Yeah, he's just, like, blasting out a whole big pattern of, I don't know, is that flame? Yeah. Now, this is an interesting bit of dialogue, though, from Thanos, though, because he says, um, The might he now wields is extremely impressive, as well it should be, considering what he has become. Tis frightening to think what this Adam Warlock may be capable of once he realizes his full potential. And I'm thinking to myself, all of a sudden, Thanos, you're talking about, like, you know and understand the 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 nature and capabilities of this new Adam Warlock, whereas just a couple of pages ago, you were expressing surprise at the new abilities and new facets that he, that that he was displaying. So, like, that's a little uh, like a, that's an interesting bit of dialogue. Like, like he feels like over the course of like you know a little a, a short time of observation, now he's got his arms around the what this new Adam Warlock the is concept. like. 
you know, now now he gets it. Now he's figured it out. So, yeah, I think before is kind of having an understanding of it. But now this is him actually seeing and believing and going, OK, OK, this is. Yeah. So now I get it. Mm-hmm. He's embracing the concept of it. All right. So, yeah. So Gamora. So they get pick up the Guardians. And they clearly expected to leave the planet because he's what are we still doing on New Crawl? He's like, I guess the rest of my team. Uh huh. Okay. Oh, that's true. Yeah. But I do like the part where she goes to settle to take care of uh, Star Lord. Mm-hmm. Okay, like Adam, I can come with my touch as she punches him. Yes. Well, at least get you more manageable. Yes, I love that. That that again with the sass. That's like I like that Gamora. <laughs> yeah, she's like I can calm people too. You know. <laughs> by knocking them unconscious. He's calm. <laughs> he has no issues whatsoever. And meanwhile, while that's going on, Thanos is like, do 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 do. All right, look, this Adam's keeping him busy, but it's pretty much hopeless here. It's already fallen for all intents and purposes, so might as well just destroy the whole thing. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, I mean, I could almost picture if this is like a Looney Tunes cartoon, he'd be whistling as he was saying the bomb up. Yeah. Now, so that is a bomb that he is embracing rather suggestively there. Yes. Because <laughs> I wasn't sure if it was that or if it was a sca- of the scanner array that he referenced in the first uh, part of his speech there. No need for a scanner array to determine Warlock's present location. Um, but no, this is clearly like the uh, the Planet Buster bomb that he yeah. has decided to. Uh, and clearly he loves it. Um, yeah. He does not have it on a very high, long timer. Yeah. <laughs> Leaves me exactly 30 seconds in which to collect Warlock. Yes, and uh, he doesn't have a problem with that. Here, I'm going to set a giant bomb, and then I'm going to go get Warlock, and this will only take me 30 seconds, so no worries. And then Annihilus loses his first beachhead within the Pauseverse. I mean, that's kind of, you gotta got to love it, and it is, of course, if you view, if you take a step back, and thematically speaking, and you view this entire these entire series of graphic novels that we're talking about and reviewing here, uh, the Infinity Revelation before this and the Infinity Relativity now, if you really view it as sort of Starlin's delineation of, like, the ultimate point of it is not just the power, not not just the plot, not just what happens, but really sort of him laying out the nature, the boundaries, the lines of Thanos and Warlock's personalities here in the 21st century. It's basically... Everything that happens, while well, stuff happens, and you've got a, an invasion, and, and I guess um, presumably you've got the ultimate repulsion of that evasion when all is said and done. But what it's all really the point of it all is here's what Thanos and Warlock are like now, right? Yeah. So if that's really kind of the the point of all of this, um, then this is a very interesting uh, sort of point that uh, towards that made here when Thanos says. Obliterating the asteroid and its infestation seems the most judicious course of action. Annihilus loses his first beachhead within the Pauseverse. It's like, that's how Thanos goes about things. It's like, hey, he's invading. I don't want him to invade. So so he's gotten his foothold here on this planet, so let's just blow it up. And then it's gone. Yeah. Just I'm just saying, because his use of the word, word beachhead is interesting there. Imagine if this is World War II, right, and the... Um, allies stage d-day and they get their beachhead in france you know for Mm -hmm. for for getting into europe imagine if the nazis response to that had been let's just firebomb all of france if we can't have it no one will we're just going to get rid of france we're going to cut it off right over here because they've got their foothold here so it's right so clearly the way to the way to deny them this is just to destroy france it's like wow that's how thanos goes about his business 
Well, that's why, and that's why one of the reasons I was saying here, like he's um, thinking he's he is more emotionally mature. He, the old Thanos back then, and the, especially the one he did in the seventies in Captain Marvel, would have been ranting and raving and screaming and while doing the same things. This one is like, okay, you know, same type of person. He's a horrible, horrible, horrible monster. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But he doesn't seem to feel the need for the histronics anymore. He doesn't need. He doesn't have as much a need to prove himself. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. But he also, which could make him more dangerous because that was one of the things that led him to being defeated. But he also does know that he can't really, he's not meant for this ultimate, ultimate power. Mm -hmm. So he's not going to try to get the Infinity Gauntlet or the Cosmic Cube again and become God. Right. He's a, you know, he's still a complete monster. It's not like, oh, Thanos will save the day. Yeah. Like, yeah, Thanos needs things around, so. He will save the day. You know, it's like if, if Thanos is on a plane with the hijacker. He will blow up the plane. It will kill the hijacker. Problem yeah. solved. So he will save the day, I suppose. If it benefit, if it's something that benefits him, or right. if it's something that would be an inconvenience to him if it wasn't stopped. Right. Exactly. Like Nihilus taking over. Now, how well it benefits everyone else? Not, your mileage may vary if you're lucky. Not really his concern. Not really his purview. Unless he thinks you are something that may be of use to him in the future. Mm-hmm. He says he's got 30 seconds to collect Warlock, and it becomes clear that by collect Warlock, he means kidnap Warlock. Yeah. Because <laughs> he just picks him up and Shucks tosses him. him, just tosses him into a, into a portal. Love no it. No time for explanations. Get inside. <laughs> just go. <laughs> and the same thing happens with Blastar and Annihilus. He's like, yeah. uh, it's like, what's this? Yeah. Like, get back! <laughs> back into the gateway now. Things is blowing up. My apologies for touching the royal personage, sire. <laughs> like, he has to apologize for that. That's fantastic. Well, yeah. But, and, you know, and it's like, as long as he did that, I think Annalis would try to kill him if he didn't do that. But as long right. as he did, even though there was a good reason. Right. Because Annalis is crazy and has a stick up his, you know what. But, you know, it's like, okay, considering the reasons, your transgression is forgiven. Yeah. And this you is a good job. And and then this these, these last two panels on this page are actually pretty uh pretty whoa because Drax says um, talk about uh, someone says man talk about escaping in your proverbial nick of time that's either Quill or Pip I have no idea which and then Drax says but how many didn't like that's he actually spares a thought for that yeah you know yes, we have a few ships showing that some people did get away mm-hmm. but for the most part and not just counting but who died because of the explosion but who died because of the annihilation wave right exactly exactly crazy pants man I'll tell you what the feedback we're going to be talking about right now is from episode 88 our 2018 outtakes episode on Facebook the post about that episode was liked and shared by Joe Sedano Mirko Mackey Dan Ostroff Jason Venable Paul Showens Rick Heineken Darren and Ruth Sutherland Mike Peacock Gene Hendricks, Pat Sampson, Bill Bear, Derek William Crabb. Comic Reviews by Walt, Jesse Starcher, and Walt Neeland. On Twitter, it was liked and retweeted by Justin the Buck, Comics for Jack, Coffee and Comics, Storm Chaser, formerly the Cable Guide, Randy Andrews, Layman Podcast, Delegates the Comic Book, Comics in the Golden Age, and Jason Snick Venable. Also, Paul French commented on the episode. If you remember... I mentioned that Paul Fringe had a stealth cameo in there, and he said, ooh, I'm stealthy. Yes, you are, Paul. Yes, you are. Also, want to continue on thanking a few more people who are liking our Tumblr page, resurrectionsadamwarlock.tumblr.com. We have Cap's motherfucking sidekick, Cool Anna's task blog, Porco Cosplay, 
Rock Aristite 2, and Omron's Life. Sure, that sounds good. <laughs> and also continuing on with finally acknowledging the feedback we've been getting. Well, not so much acknowledging as the fact of finally paying attention and noticing I have some. <laughs> we have feedback on episode 82, in which we covered Warlock number 10, How Strange My Destiny, with John Wilson. This was a comment from the Podbean site that was posted on September 20th, and it's from Nahan. He said, yes, great. After some weeks after discovering this podcast, today I was up to date with it, only to discover we have a new fresh episode today. So happy. Well, I hope you're still happy after you listen to it. Either way, thank you very much for the comment. Appreciate it. And I got a couple more comments to go for the next few episodes, but that's it. So you want to be on here? Please. Leave a comment on the Tumblr page. I just told you where it was. Facebook. Just look up Adam Warlock or Thanos in the face on the search box in Facebook. Twitter at Adam Thanos Pod. Look us up on Podbean, and of course, send an email: resurrectionspodcast at yahoo.com. This show can now be found on Stitcher. In case you don't know what Stitcher is, Stitcher is radio on demand, a free app that lets you listen to all your favorite shows, plus discovered from twenty thousand others. Available on iOS, Android, Nook, and iPad. Don't have Stitcher? Download it free today at Stitcher.com or in the App Store. Ah, after a long day of criminal activity, there's nothing I like better than to sit down and listen to the old radio. Wait a minute, that's not a radio, it's... Plastic Man! That's right, it's the Plasticast, a brand new podcast dedicated to Plastic Man. I'm your host, Max Romero. Together we'll be talking about Plastic Man in the Golden Age, the Silver Age, the Bronze Age, and every other age you can think of, right up to his upcoming reappearance in DC Rebirth. We'll also be talking about any Plastic Man news that might be coming up, and his appearances in every media from comics to cartoons. Whew. Makes me woozy just to think about it. I hope you'll join me to talk about the longest arm of the law here on the Plasticast here on the Fire and Water Podcast Network. Plastic Man! Plastic Man! That sounds like a good spot to end. Yes, I, uh, I concur. I concur. Thank you uh, very much for, for, for continuing this journey with me. Uh, why am I saying that? This is your podcast, but well, I'm thank, you for, thank you for having me. me. Thank you for having me. I like being here. I yes. enjoy this. This is fun. <laughs> So we'll be back. We'll, so next time we'll get to the next part as we have some fun with uh, Pip and Rocket. Yes. Oh, I'm looking forward to that. Yeah, that was fun. But all right, everybody. Uh, Brian, anything you want to talk about? Um, so you or we already do our recommendations earlier. I pretty much I've recommended a good half dozen things, and I could go on. There's many more things that I could recommend, but uh, for now I'll leave it at that, and I'll, I'll come up with another good list for next time. All right. So we'll all be back. See you later. Bye. Resurrections, an Adam Warlock and Thanos podcast, is a fan-made production, and no copyright infringement is intended or happening or even understood. The opening music for this podcast is Intro Pompeii by Lino Rise, and the closing music is Dark and Dramatic by DJ Puzzle. 
Both are licensed by the Creative Commons license. You can find Lino Rise at free-intro-music.com and DJ Puzzle at peaceloveproductions.com. Links to both can be found on the Tumblr page. These messages, messages will be right back. How do I still remember? Like I have the, that the, sub, I have that file. I might put that in there. <laughs> I seriously like that was that was I believe that was CBS Saturday morning, CBS Saturday morning cartoon block, and I believe that was there like back in the eighties. That was their go- toss to commercial jingle. How do I still have that in my head? It's been thirty damn years. ABC. I have it was done, ABC. I have saved ABC. Okay. Because. Saturday morning cartoons ruled. Oh God, they were my they were my world back then, man. Oh, hold on, I thought it was warm enough. I got a the air conditioner just kicked on, and that always does a fun background. I'm gonna ah. pop up the temperature once so it stops. Well, you know, second. you are in a hot land, so. <laughs> yeah, well, it's still it's at 76 right now. I can live with 77. Right back. Mm-hmm. <laughs> All right, that should go off in a second. Okay, just a real quick while we wait for it to go off, just a real quick yeah. aside. It's hilarious to me to keep talking about Omega, because um, my uh, going back to the fact that I'm so into the into the wrestling right now. The, in my opinion, the greatest wrestler in the world right now and possibly ever is a guy by the name of Kenny Omega. Who Kenny Omega? Kenny Omega, who's Canadian but works exclusively in Japan, and he just uh, won. The big championship over there for the first time this past weekend. So, and I have been talking in an incredible match that was an hour and 15 minutes long and didn't lose our attention once. It was oh, like wow. seriously like the greatest match we've ever watched in our in our in our lives. Um, but anyway, point is is that um, it was the culmination of 18 months of storytelling. Point is is that talking about Omega uh, uh, Hickman's Omega here, and I keep saying Omega, 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 and it's like. Jesus, but like I have said the word Omega over the last like week or two more times in the last week or two than I had in like probably the entire rest of my life combined just between us because we call Kenny Omega. We just refer to him as Omega, too, you know, so it's like (laughs) although that's kind of a weird name. It's like calling somebody, you know, what's your name? Dark side. Yeah. Charlie Darkside. Charlie Darkside. Well, it, yeah, it's it, it's strange actually because his real name is Tyson Smith, and when he broke into the business, he took the name Kenny Omega, but it was part of this weird like sort of surfer dude um, persona. And so even though now he's completely changed his uh, his stage persona to like this like uh, every every video game badass you've ever like encountered rolled up into one, plus a little bit of the Terminator thrown in for good measure. He still called, and it still works. Like he still calls himself Kenny Omega, and it still works. Oh, um, two things. Yeah. Okay, I looked him up. Uh huh. Jerome Opeña is the artist on the first issue he appeared in. Cool, cool, cool. And um, I'm showing when I looked up. I'm not seeing Omega, but it's showing his ex Nilio. Yes, yes, that's correct. That's correct. He has Omega on his chest. Chest. But which he, is why but, you would think he's called Omega. Right, because they had the robot who was named Alpha. There were the three of them. They had the robot who was named Alpha. Uh, like was like I can't remember her name. 
Could it the, be Abyss? The Abyss, right. They had Abyss, they had Alpha, they had Abyss, and then they had him. And you're right, he he went. He called himself Ex Nihilo, out of nothing. Ah, uh, okay, because I was trying to figure out, like, how do I pronounce that? We, Ex, it's, I'm not, I never studied Latin, so I'm almost positive it's Ex Nihilo. It could be Ex Nihilo, but I'm going to go with Ex Nihilo, personally, until someone oh. corrects me. So. You're going with the guy who always called it Magneto. Oh, that's, that's, ma- well. <laughs> sorry, sorry, sorry. That's the, that's the way they want that's, to say that's, it. Magneto. That's correct. Yes, magnet. No, I, yeah, yeah. Because yeah. I know what a magnet is. Yeah. I don't know what a magnet is. Magnet, yeah, but a magneto, yes. All right, and so we should we should correct that on the record, so. So, well, this is where we're back now, so we came back. Okay, so 